Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And in this one, I'm glad to welcome back Dustin Rensick, Houston Cougars insider and co-host of the Scott Holman podcast. Always great to have Dustin on the show. It's an especially great time, Dustin, to be a Coug, though, isn't it? Yeah, Robert, great to be talking to you and uh, always good to be talking to you, especially good to be talking to you when you've got a uh, top 25 Houston Cougar football and men's basketball team, something that hasn't happened in about four decades uh, prior to this moment somehow. So very excited about both of those seasons uh, and what they've got going on and what they've got coming up. Yeah, it's really fun to have the Cougars doing this well, the best they've done in obviously a very long time. And I definitely want to get your thoughts on the AAC title game with Cincy. But before we get there, What's changed from the Clayton tune we saw last year to the tune who's completed 68% of his passes and thrown 26 touchdowns and only eight interceptions this year? Yeah, I, I think you got to point to the decision making uh, that Clayton Tune has shown this year has has really, really improved. And it's it's kind of funny because it's the, the thing that everyone jumped on him for after the Texas Tech game when he threw still four of the eight interceptions, half of the interceptions he's thrown this year, he threw in the first game of the year. Um, and, and certainly, you know, like Sam and I talked about coming into the year, it seemed like every other box Clayton Toon had had checked. He had you know impressive overall arm talent. He has the toughness. He's never been afraid to, to hang in the pocket and take a hit to, in order to make a throw. Um, got, you know, uh, ability to make plays with his legs. Obviously, he's been kind of dinged up in that area this year and only finally now towards the end of the year showing the ability to make the plays with the legs. Uh, but we just kind of knew that the only the box that he hadn't checked coming into this year was the decision making and that he just had been prone to making too many bad decisions and just throwing balls when he uh, when he shouldn't have. Um, and then the first game of the year sure seemed to uh, confirm that that was going to be an issue yet again. Um, but really just a remarkable job that he's done after throwing four in the uh, the tech game. He had he had two in the other uh, Memphis game uh, recently. But other than that, he's been nearly you know perfect throughout the year in terms of uh, making decisions, not trying to force balls when he shouldn't, knowing when to just you know throw the ball away or, or something like that, as opposed to uh, in past years when he's he's needed to uh, he felt the need to uh, to make make the the throw into the tight window. And you know I think part of that as well is that he's gotten better pass protection this year than he's had any year uh, prior to this as well. We all we kind of knew it's another thing heading into the year that you know his improvement was going to be tied to the improvement of the offensive line and and certainly. You know, Clayton Tunis had his moments, the Tech game and like the Memphis game where he's made a couple of, you know, imperfect decisions. So he hasn't been perfect. And I think the same is true of his offensive line, which has had a couple of games when they've, you know, the ECU game when they've not done a great job of, of uh, protecting him and keeping him upright. But for the most part, they've been really solid this year as well. They've really improved as a unit. So it's been exciting to see. You know, we, we felt like this offense had potential if the offensive line got going and that was going to mean that Clayton Tune would get going. And, you know. It hasn't been perfect, but it's been a very much improved and, and really exciting to watch this year. Not sure if you caught this, but Holgerson said a few weeks ago that he felt Toon was really helped by having the leg injuries that he had earlier this year and not being able to rely on his legs to get him out of trouble. And, and it made him think the game a little bit more. Did you, did you catch that? And is, is that something that, that you saw that maybe he benefited a little bit from you know, not being able to use his legs as much in, in those few games? Yeah, I think there's definitely a lot to that. I think, you know, his whole, you know, pocket presence was something that, you know, like I said, he he makes some really good plays with his legs, but sometimes would would definitely squirrel out a little bit too early um, instead of waiting to go through his progressions. And and some of that, you know, what we talked about with his, you know, ability to hang in the pocket and take a tough hit to make a throw is something that I think he's he'd shown over the last couple of years, but he's really taken to another level. I mean, I, I don't, you know, it's it's 
And again, I hate to use this term because it's unfair to compare anybody to this guy, but it's you know Case Keenum-esque. You get a little bit of those vibes sometimes, seeing the the toughness in the pocket and just the you know the being willing to hold on to the ball just a half second longer, knowing when the hit is coming, and then getting the ball out you know quite often to tank Dell down the field. Uh, um, and, and that's I think a, a huge part of the the equation as well is that. Uh, his receiving group, Tank Dell, has really had a breakout year, and the rest of the group that was, you know, much maligned during the off season has uh, has really stepped up over the course of the year as well. So I, I think really you, you really have to uh, definitely spread the uh, the the credit around in the passing game uh, this season for sure. Definitely want to get to Dell in a bit, but one thing I noticed is at the moment your podcast Twitter handle says hashtag Marcus Jones <laughs> for Heisman. I know you guys typically have fun with your Twitter name, but can you make a real case for his Heisman candidacy this year? I mean, can I make it? Can I make an objective case? Sure. Is there any chance he gets any consideration? No, I think because of the way the system is, <laughs> I think there's 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 no chance he's he's even getting you know to go to uh, to New York, let alone uh, to actually win the trophy. Unfortunately, but you know, I think there is a, a good. Re- I, I haven't seen what happened. He uh, this last week he was tied for the most interceptions in FBS football. I know I I don't he didn't get one uh, against UConn. I'm sure someone that he was tied with probably did. So he might be number two at that point. Um, but just the four special teams. T- touchdowns most in the country just unbelievable returner and even outside of the touchdowns he's had just a number of plays that he's made uh on special teams uh as well as the offensive versatility versatility that he's shown so you know i think and it's, it's not just the uh you know the scarlet and albino tinted glasses that i'm wearing that make me say this i've, I've seen a number of you know national writers say that hey you know he he, if, if, if the Heisman Trophy really is about the most outstanding player in college football, how many people can really say they've had a more outstanding season than the guy who has, you know, just been an unbelievable shutdown corner, been just an otherworldly return specialist who, you know, wins games with his uh, his kick returns. Uh, and oh, yeah, early on in the season helped out uh, an offense that was struggling as well by being able to play on that side of the ball as well. So. Uh, at the very least, you know, I sure hope he wins the other uh, Paul Horning Award for a most versatile player in college football. If he doesn't win that one, uh, we may have to uh, to riot because I think the other the other uh, candidates are not nearly as strong as as Marcus Jones. But uh, you know, we'll stump for him for Heisman. But you know, realistic about his actual chances. Where does he fall on your fun meter for Houston Cougars over the last twenty years, guys that that you've actually got to watch and and root for? Man, he he is up there. We've talked about this a lot this season. That it is just he is really having one of the unique remarkable 21st century cougar football seasons that we've seen and i i think you know if you're doing your your mount rushmore of uh, of cougar athletes that we've gotten to watch on the football field this past decade i think he might be on i think he might be in the top four i think he might be on my mount rushmore at this point and you know even as as impressed with as I was with him last year and as excited as I was to watch him play this year, he is, I, I certainly would have not expected that. I, I, you know, if you had told me before the season, that I was going to be ready to put him on my, you know, Cougar Mountain Rushmore for exciting football players. I might've, okay, hold on, hold on, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. Um, but he just, every week, it seems like he does something that just makes you just kind of drop, you know, drop your jaw and in, in awe of his uh, overall ability. And he just certainly has played himself, I think into an, uh, an NFL uh, roster next year. And certainly, has to be in the conversation right with you know mo- mostly offensive group and ed oliver uh, in terms of the really exciting cougar football players from uh, this century alton mccaskill has averaged 5.2 yards per carry this season scored 16 touchdowns how good can he be next year and, and does he have the durability to get himself in a heisman conversation continue the conversation about guys who just we were excited for the season but who just vastly exceeded our expectations alt mccaskill has been really good and, and i think 
the, the, you know, the, the physicality question is always an issue. I think it's always an issue with any running back because it's just such a physically demanding position. And when you're putting a lot of reps on a guy already as a true freshman, I mean, it's impressive as heck that he is absolutely ready for those reps. Um, but I mean, I think it's a fair question. And you look at the fact that he's gotten dinged up uh, each of Houston's last uh, couple of games to uh, end the regular season and not finished out those games. And, you know, Holgo, it doesn't seem like it's been anything serious. Holgo did say that uh, McCaskill is 100 percent ready to go uh, for the conference championship game. And, and I mean, just I, you know, I think the best thing I can say in his favor in that uh, department is just the fact that he has such a non freshman looking body. You just you hear people say it, every telecaster that has done a Houston game this year just kind of marvels at the fact that he just he doesn't look like a freshman with the body that he's got so you know the fact that he's able to have had as many carries as he's had and, and yeah he's gotten dinged up the last two weeks but on the other hand he's only gotten you know kind of mildly dinged up in a way that hasn't affected him from game to game uh, after taking a ton of carries as a true freshman so you know I, I think that is you know something to be really excited about and you know we Houston has had some running backs come through the program I'm thinking of guys like Bryce Bell who just you know had unbelievable freshman seasons and then you know, never really kind of uh, lived up to it. So I think it's a fair question to ask if he's going to be able to continue to build on this unbelievable freshman season that he's had. But I mean, he's given us no reason for anything but optimism thus far. You mentioned this name earlier, Nathaniel Dell. He passed the 1000 yard mark last week. What did you think about his breakout season? And it is it has been really, really impressive. He is, and again, someone that has just continued to exceed expectations from the time that he got on campus last year. And and you know, I think even last year, as he was kind of getting used to the division one game, he gave us a lot more than we expected. And then even expecting him to be the number one receiver this year, he absolutely has gone out there and and looked like that and more. And, you know, he we thought he had the, you know, maybe the upward potential of being a, a first team all conference type of guy, and he has certainly looked like uh, you know, one of the best couple of receivers in a conference that's got a number of uh, of really good receivers. So that has been really, really encouraging. Ed, he's just been, you know, and this is a Houston program that absolutely expects to see star receivers have thousand yard type seasons, and it's been something that's been, you know, kind of lacking. We've we've we're just used to the Tyron Carriers and the Patrick Edwardses, and uh, you know, all these guys that are going to come through and uh, and put up big numbers uh, in the receiving game. Um, it's, you know, it's been a little, a little bit quiet, and I think Tank Dell is has absolutely played himself you know, into that conversation of, of one of the really great receivers that has come through this Houston program uh, in recent memory. And, and just like I said, as, as a Houston fan base that is, I think, very starved to kind of get back to, you know, the fireworks type of offense that uh, that you ex- associate with the Houston football program and that that fans really want to see. I think, you know, Tank Dell was that guy, both in terms of being the steady first down guy that you would, you know, rely on over and over throughout the game, but also being the type of guy that that breaks the big plays and uh, and can get you in the end zone. And and like I said, just, just I think is everything that you want to see from a uh, wide receiver. Number one, we've got into some of the guys that are the bigger names, but who's been an under the radar player for the Cougars that you feel like hasn't got maybe the ink or the spotlight that he's deserved so far um I, th- I think my my answer i have to go through this one it's a guy i've been stumping for since the beginning of the season kind of as my underrated under the radar pick and he i think has lived up to that and still is i think not getting the uh the credit that he deserves and that's d'anthony jones a rush end uh on the defensive side for houston and it's, it's i think easy to have a guy go maybe under the radar because the entire sack avenue brand has I think gotten the, the you know kind of the headlines for Houston on the defensive side and it's just been that whole defensive uh front line unit that has really gotten the credit and it's because it's been a unit that has rotated just eight or nine guys consistently uh throughout the year you don't necessarily have one guy putting up huge numbers and then and that's when that's honestly been refreshing that Houston's defensive line was 
for a while was Ed Oliver and a bunch of other guys. You know, at times last year, I thought it was Peyton Turner and a bunch of other guys. Um, and it's just the exact opposite of this, that this year, uh, in terms of just eight or nine guys deep that can all go out there. They've all made plays. They've all shown the ability to get after the quarterback. Um, but D'Anthony Jones is just so unbelievably physically gifted. Um, and he's, he's a guy that's, you know, in his two years on campus has gotten dinged up and hasn't always been healthy. Um, but when he's out there, he is just such a menace. He is so hard. He's just preternatural ability to time the snap count, you know, just unbelievably athletic and quick. It's just so hard for tackles to uh, to stay in front of them and prevent them from uh, getting after the quarterback. So, you know, I think that's it's been really, really exciting all year. And I think also, you know, in terms of uh, the game this coming weekend, Houston's going to need that and going to need, you know, Desmond Ritter to not have the ability to uh, to stay in the pocket for a long and you know long period of time and look downfield. And I think uh, the whole defensive front, Sack Avenue, they all deserve credit. But uh, the fact that I, I feel like the only person that is singling out D'Anthony Jones this year, uh, I got I got to call him out as my uh, my under the radar guy. Is there any way that the Cougars can hold on to defensive coordinator Doug Belk for one more season? <laughs> maybe, maybe. Oh, man, it's, it is it is going to be tough. It, he is definitely someone who, you know, and again, this is an extremely unscientific way of going about it. But, you know, if you just do a Twitter search of that guy's name, it is just nothing but SEC fans going, man, I hope Doug Belk is our defensive coordinator next year. Uh, you know, a guy with, you know, ties to the Southeast uh, region and, and someone who's done just an unbelievable job and is just widely, you know, considered to be a, a future head coach. Um, so, I mean, I, I think there's both going to be SEC programs that are coming after him to be their defensive coordinator next year. There might be some, you know, smaller G5 programs that come after him to be their head coach next year. I think he is that well-respected. Um, he's shown himself to be that impressive of a, a defensive mind in terms of the the stunning, you know, improvement that Houston's had uh, with him, you know, as the, you know, I think co-DC a year ago, and then now was the, uh, the fall on DC this year. So really, really exciting guy. And yeah, I think, We've known since early on in the year that Doug Belk at some point was going to leave the Houston Cougar football program, you know, unless unless Holgo goes, you know, takes another job and then uh, and then maybe Doug Belk replaces him or something like that. But uh, uh, he is someone whose you know, future is certainly being a, a head coach. His immediate future might well be being a, co- or a defensive coordinator in the SEC. So I think if uh, the Cougars are able to pull him back next year, I would be tremendously surprised. And that would be uh, an unbelievably exciting thing for the, the program, certainly. All right, enough with the appetizers. Let's get to the Cincy matchup. What areas do the Cougs have an advantage and how do they take down the Bearcats? Yeah, I think there's the, the two X factors that I'm looking for for Houston in this one. If they're going to uh, to pull off, pull, uh, pull off the upset is I think they have to win the game in the trenches, not just play Cincinnati even in the trenches, but actually win the game in the trenches. And I think that's I think that's a doable thing. Cincinnati. Um, you know, we just got done talking to our uh, friends with the Cincinnati Slang and Bearcats podcast. And, and one of the things that they said that I think is really true from what I've seen of this Cincinnati team as well, compared to, you know, the last couple of years when Cincinnati's had a couple of really good teams. One of the differences this year is they Cincinnati has maybe their most talented um, skill group guys on both sides of the ball. But in the trenches, they don't have the strongest team that they've had. Uh, under Luke Fickle. And that's not to say that they're bad in the trenches. You don't get to 12 and 0 and in the playoff conversation by being bad in the trenches, but they don't have as, you know, fierce a defensive front as maybe they've had uh, the last couple of years. And I think that plays well against the Houston, like I said, pass protection that has been better this year, but certainly not perfect. Um, and and on, the, on the other side of the ball, 
Sack Avenue. That's you know the, every game but one. Desmond Ritter's gotten sacked at least once this year. So they've done a, a you know a fair job of keeping him upright, um, but not just a, a remarkable job that makes you feel like uh, the Cougar defensive front isn't going to be able to get some pressure on him. So uh, you know they they're so talented at quarterback, at running back, at receiver, at cornerback, at so many of these uh, positions on both sides of the ball. But I think in order to be able to uh, to win the game with them, you have to uh, be able to win in the trenches. And I, I think when you've seen teams hang with them, one of the big X factors has been that they've been able to. To, uh, to run the ball, and that's uh, you know another game, you know another aspect of the game that's going to be in the trenches. Holgo loves to run the ball. He he runs the ball a lot uh, every game. Um, you know, pretty close to a 50-50 uh, breakdown. And I think with a couple of NFL cornerbacks in uh, Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant that Cincinnati has, I think he you know, and the fact that they've been somewhat uh, susceptible to the run game, and the fact that. You know, you probably want to keep Des Ritter and their offense uh, off the field as much as you can. You know, I, I think Houston has the potential. There. Again, it's not going to be uh, an easy thing since that he's not bad on the lines, but they are, I think, at least vulnerable enough that Houston has the chance to win the game in the trenches. Um, and I, I think they're going to have to do that in order to pull off the upset. And I think the other X factor is going to be the special teams where Houston could really have some success on Saturday. The Bearcats have been had all kinds of troubles uh, kicking field goals this year. hasn't really mattered too much because they've mostly beaten teams uh, comfortably, but that is something that could come back to bite them. Houston has been really, really good. One of the best teams in the country at blocking kicks. So I think they have the, uh, the opportunity to kind of put on some pressure and, and, and make a Cincinnati kicking game that has been really, really uh, up in the air struggle even more. And then of course there's always the other Marcus Jones special teams factor that you never know. Uh, when he's about to break out a huge play and uh, and kind of flip the script of the game, flip the script of the game with a, a huge special teams touchdown. So I think the Cougars could really uh, could really do a lot of damage there as well. So I, I think those are kind of my two X factors, and those are the two things that Houston needs to do. Uh, you know, they're certainly an underdog. I wouldn't, if I had to uh, bet a large amount of money on one team, I, I probably wouldn't pick Houston if I'm being honest. But you know, going into this game with the underdog playing with house money, kind of having a better season than you expected, being the team that's going to have no pressure on them whatsoever heading into this game. Uh, I think there's definitely paths to victory for the Cougs. Is there a mutual opponent that the two teams have played that you feel like you've got some sort of gauge as to where since he was compared to U of H? Um, I mean, I think it's hard to it's hard to make that comparison because there, there's been you know, you you could pick some ones that it would go either way. You know, Cincinnati blew out East Carolina, whereas Houston had a lot of trouble with the Pirates. But going the other way, Houston blew out Tulsa. And, you know, that Tulsa team gave uh, gave the Bearcats a lot of trouble. So, you know, I, I think it's hard to pick one uh, mutual opponent and say that that uh, that that really says a lot. So, I mean, I, and then SMU would be another one. Houston was really, really excited to uh, win on a last second uh, special teams touchdown against SMU uh, Cincinnati blew that team out. So yeah, I think if you are prone to, you know, believing that recent results have more impact than uh, maybe further back results, the fact that uh, Cincinnati the last couple of weeks has, has really taken to the woodshed and uh, SMU and ECU teams that, uh, that the Cougs, you know, were, were had very close results against is maybe, maybe not the most encouraging thing, but you know, I don't know if that's ultimately going to mean too much. I think each each game is enough of a, a fresh result that I don't know uh, how much uh, stock I would really put in that. I made the point a few days ago that with having the national spotlight in this one and being on the verge of moving to the Big 12, this feels like a really big game for the Cougars as far as their recruiting. Is it crazy to say that a win Saturday could just have a ripple effect on the entire football program over the next two or three years? Yeah, I think it's fair, and and I think it's... You know, I think it's maybe easy to overstate um, the the impact of a single game result in in making a lot of recruiting decisions. And I'm and 
I'll be completely honest up front is that recruiting is not something that Sam and I focus the most closely on. Um, uh, we, we do it as much as we kind of feel like we have to, but it's not something, it's not our primary focus, but at least you know, the, the recruiting people that I listen to that I seem like they know what they're talking about kind of do tend to stress that single game results aren't the biggest factor. I think more important than whether or not Houston wins on Saturday is the fact that they got to the game on Saturday. And obviously you'd like to not lay a huge egg. That's probably not going to help you with too many people. If you get on national TV, you've got absolutely everybody watching you and then you, you know, lose 45 to 12 or something like that. But uh, I think that would not help. But I think the fact that Houston has shown proof of concept this year that they've gotten to the point where like, Hey, we have a functional football program. Again, we've got all the facilities. We're heading to the big 12 in a year. Um, you know, I, I think that is a huge thing. And the fact that, like I said, the fact that you're playing in this game is great to, uh, to get your name out there and have more people thinking about you. And certainly, uh, you know, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't, t- wouldn't turn down the wind. Would love to, uh, to test my theory and, and see how much of a, uh, a ripple effect it does have winning this game to, uh, recruiting, uh, generally going forward. But, you know, I think that it maybe is a situation where the majority of the benefit uh, you've already seen at this point and is already kind of baked in. And that's, I think a really good place to be. When I think back at the great season that Tom Herman had a few a few years ago, I, I don't know if I quite get the buzz factor with U of H football as as you had with Tom Herman. Are you disappointed at all as far as how the Cougar fan base has shown up to football this year? I mean, we're coming off COVID and everything, so there, you factor that all in. But, but what do you think about? the way the fan base has shown up for the games and, and how it's looked out there as opposed to, you know, some of their other successful seasons in the past. Yeah, it's, it's been a bummer. I definitely would have liked to have seen more fan involvement this year uh, from the Cougar fan base. Um, And not, not really, I don't think having really getting too close to a sellout in any of your home games uh, is not, it's not really encouraging. You know, I think there are some, some mitigating factors there. You, You know, I think it's still, a little bit weird for everyone, you know, with COVID. I mean, I still have a friend that I was just talking to the other day about, uh, you know, his, his kid is just finally vaccinated. And now he finally feels like he can, you know, go back to normal and go out in public and, and do that kind of thing. So I think there's certainly some weirdness there for a lot of people. And I think, you know, if we're being completely honest, I think a lot of people weren't thrilled with the Holgerson hire in the first place, kind of, even if they, you know, I think soured after the, uh, the kind of weird way that the first couple of seasons have gone. And I think a lot of people just jumped off the bandwagon after the Texas tech game and were, were slow to, uh, to get back on. And I, I think a huge part of that is, is not just, you know, the Houston fan base being fickle generally, which is, I think certainly true, but I mean, I think there, there also wasn't necessarily, and I guess you could say the SMU win, but there wasn't necessarily one, result that really would just be the galvanizing result that would make people go no no no, this team is serious like they you know they really have uh, have the potential and I think that just goes back to the fact that Houston's strength of schedule this year was so uninspiring that in between Texas Tech and you know SMU you just didn't really play anybody that is really is going to have any impact whatsoever on trying to uh, you know inspire a fan base and so you're left just you know obviously you're 11 and one. I think when you're 11 and one, you should be excited about your team, no matter who you played and, uh, and come out to the games and support the team. And obviously that's Sam and I are always going to be pro uh, getting people out to the games. Um, but yeah, I think you do have to uh, acknowledge some of the contributing factors, but hopefully it's something that getting now to see the full scope of the season um, and the year that Houston has, I, I think hopefully will make some people realize that they need to, if they've, if they've sold, they need to buy back into uh, Dana Holgerson uh, and or Clayton Tuna's Houston, leading this Houston program, 
And, you know, you've only got one year left before you're going into the Big 12 and playing, you know, Big 12 teams on a regular basis, at which point uh, there really is going to be no excuse to be not showing up to the game. So hopefully this is, uh, uh, yeah, definitely a disappointing uh, result in terms of fans in seats this year. But, um, you know, somewhat confident that's something that will resolve itself in the uh, in the near future. Yeah, I just go back to how big this game is because not just in recruiting, but as far as the fan base, the, they, the casual fan they might have just, you know, tuned it out a little bit after that Texas Tech loss and okay, it's the same old, same old. And like you said, there there wasn't the marquee matchups and they might be tuning in when they weren't tuning in the rest of the year to this game. So I feel like there's there's a lot riding on this one for the Cougars and you know, if nothing else, they gotta show up, right, Dustin? They have to show up and they have to make it interesting and they have to look like they belong on the field with Cincinnati at the very least. Yeah, I think that's definitely that's definitely a big uh, a big factors in terms not only just win or lose but be competitive in the game and I think that matters a lot like I said I think that's going to be for recruiting I think that's as important as anything is at least showing up and I think you know in terms of not giving your fan base an excuse to uh, to jump back off the bandwagon I think that uh, that would certainly help as well and I think if you if you were looking for reasons to be pessimistic about this team and they you know kind of end the season with uh, just a whimper against Cincinnati I think it's gonna be really really easy to go okay sure you won 11 games in a row but who did you beat you know, you played the two teams that mattered and you you laid an egg in both games. So I think that would that would certainly give the fan base an excuse to uh, to not show up last you know next year. And I think we've if we know anything about Houston Cougar fans, it's that if you give them an excuse to not show up to the games, they will probably uh, take you up on it. OK, other end of the spectrum, U of H basketball. I think the fans are bought in 100 percent on that coming out of the gates. They look a lot like they have in the last couple of seasons. Really, really good. Blowing some teams out. You know, they had the one loss against Wisconsin that was pretty disappointing. But just in general, give me two or three early observations, things that you're noticing early in the season, good or bad. Yeah, I think that when this team is playing right, they, their ceiling is as high as it's ever been under Kelvin Sampson. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm always loathe to compare one team to a previous year, but I think the ceiling is as high uh, as it has been. But on the other end, this is still a team that is working in a lot of new pieces. Um, and you've seen already early in the season the potential for things to to go you know sour in a game we Houston was extremely fortunate to be able to pull off the uh, the comeback and not have an ugly loss to Hofstra in their season opener and then you know got outscored 40 to 20 in the first half uh, against Wisconsin and had their uh, you know furious comeback fall uh, a little bit short that time so you know I, I think we as exciting as they have been and they've been really really good and probably everything else I say about them will be positive uh, after this they, they've definitely shown the ability to you know, kind of uh, lay an egg for 20 minutes or so. And so I think that's something that Kelvin Sampson is definitely going to want to figure out how to how to fix and make sure that Houston isn't going through such prolonged stretches of just really kind of head scratching basketball, because basically other than the first halves against uh, Wisconsin and Hofstra, this team has been nearly flawless on the season. Um, you know, just I've I've said it before, but they th- this team always plays really tough, engaged defense under Kelvin Sampson. This, I think, is the team that likes playing defense the most out of any of the teams that we've played under Kelvin Sampson. If you've watched this team for the last several years, you realize what a high bar that is to clear. Um, But this team just loves playing defense like I don't know that I've ever seen. And, you know, I think one of the huge or one of the the, I should say not the huge one of the only drawbacks that you could possibly say about this uh, team uh, defensively over the last several years under Kelvin Sampson is that they've been a little bit too prone to uh, to committing fouls. And that's really not been nearly as much the case this year. It feels like at least early on they've they've cleaned up a lot in that area and they are not giving as way 
uh, as many free throws. And I think they're even better than they have been in terms of uh, turning people over as well. So if you continue to be one of the toughest teams to make a shot against and one of the uh, toughest teams to not turn the ball over against and you're not giving away free points at the free throw line, I mean, that's that's why you this team is number one in defensive efficiency in the country in Ken Palm right now. That's why they, you know, against Virginia and Butler and Oregon, teams that might not be great this year, but at least are not used to getting run out of the, run out of the gym. Houston was able to run them out of the gym because uh, defensively they've just been so good in every aspect this year. Uh, and, and I think offensively they have a really high ceiling as well. I just the, the offensive cohesion, the offensive movement that we've seen from this team at points this year, uh, really, really exciting. You know, in terms of Marcus Sasser has shown everything that you want to see in terms of stepping up and becoming a leader. Fabian White has really shown that he uh, it looks like he's going to have his best season as a Cougar this year as well as he's now added the three point shot to his game. Um, and I think, you know, and Tremont Mark, who. Uh, Kelvin Sampson called the best player uh, for this team coming into the year until he got hurt and uh, hurt his shoulder and is now coming back from that. You know, he hasn't even played a game at 100% yet, and Houston is already looking really, really good. So, um, you know, again, it's 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 really, really easy to get your expectations too high when you're coming off of a Final Four appearance and you are just blowing teams like Virginia and Oregon out of the water. Um, but I think there's every reason to just be really excited about this Houston team and feel like they have the potential to play with anybody in the country right now. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about Mark because, you know, you look at Saster and he can create his own shot, but because of his size, I think you need somebody like Mark who, you know, once you get into the elite NCA basketball area where you're going to be facing the teams in the tournament, you need somebody with Mark's size that can shoot over just about anybody and get his own shot how big a deal is it to get him going and and really for him to take another step this year and become that guy that you can hand the ball to in the final couple of minutes of the game to get a basket? Oh, I think it's huge, and it's, I think it just gives you like like that. I think I think he could very well be Houston's best overall player uh, when he gets fully healthy, and I think you've seen that from the fact that. Like I said, his shot still looks off from the shoulder injury that he's had. He hasn't been able to, I think, get his his shooting arm all the way up, um, and it just looks a little bit uh, it looks a little bit off right now. But he's such a good overall player that he has been, you know, making a huge impact on games even without the the jump shot really being there and really kind of struggling with the jump shot because he's so good offensively at getting downhill and creating for others, getting to the basket, you know, and if if you don't come and help off of somebody, then, you know, he's going to take you to the basket and score. And if you do help off of somebody, he's going to make a great pass and uh, and find a teammate open for a three. So I, I think he's just, and, and defensively, he's, you know, a plus-plus defender as well. So, um, it's just it's already a almost unfair how much depth Houston has in the backcourt with Sasser and Jamal Shedd having the year that he's had Kyler Edwards you know, looking like he's, uh, you know, really used to being in this program and Tajay Moore doing some great things as well. So with Tremont Mark also getting healthy, having five guys that good defensive or that good in your backcourt on both sides of the ball is just uh, it, it, it's crazy. I mean, it's just it, it doesn't seem like one team should have that much uh, backcourt depth, but. Um, really, really excited to have it. And like I said, Tremont Mark, just both sides of the ball gives you uh, everything you could hope for from a, a sophomore already uh, at his age. With all the ugly sports that we'll have on the pro level in the next few months before the Astros get started, I think it's a good idea if people go check out the Scott Holman podcast because you guys will be talking weekly about the Houston Cougars basketball program and, of course, the Cougars football over the next uh, couple of weeks as well. But is there anything that we need to mention in Cougar sports that, is not going to be talked about much by people around here locally, but you feel like needs to get a little bit of noise because of uh, the success that they've been having over the last year or even over the last few months? 
Yeah, I think over the last few months, it's it's been a really encouraging and yet also uh, heartbreaking year for the uh, kind of non-revenue fall sports. Uh, I'm talking about Houston Cougars soccer and volleyball, who Sam and I both really, really engaged in both programs that five or six years ago were just in a really, really bad place and and struggling to uh, to really win any conference uh, matches whatsoever. Um, and they've both had coaches come in in the last uh, number of years, Diego Bocanegra on the soccer team, uh, David Rare for the uh, the volleyball program. And uh, they've both just really revitalized those programs um, and really got them headed in the right direction. We were really hopeful that both teams were going to make the NCAA tournament this fall. Soccer has never made the NCAA tournament. Volleyball hasn't made it since the year 2000. Um, so we were really hoping to see both of those you know, stretches uh, come to an end. And I think both of those teams actually ended up having their best seasons of the century, you know, soccer had their best season in program history. Volleyball certainly had their best season since that 2000 season. But unfortunately, both teams were maybe just one or two wins uh, shy, didn't quite make it to the tournament field. So uh, disappointing, but, you know, really excited in those programs. I think both of those programs are going to get a huge boon um, from the Big 12 move in a couple of years, which, I, you know, I think is just as a fan of all the sports that get, uh, you know, all the Houston Cougars sports. That is what's, I think, so exciting about the Big 12 move is it's going to have an impact on really all of those sports. It's not just a football. It's not just a men's basketball question. All of those sports are going to get to uh, increase the level of competition, increase their strength of schedule by playing in a tougher conference, increase the quality of, uh, of recruits that they're going to have uh, access to with the big 12 uh, moniker associated with your program now. So really excited to see how uh, every Cougar team does. So looking back, that's my uh, under the radar teams that I want to mention. And uh, looking forward, track and field starts in a little bit here. And uh, Sean Maswangiani, one of the greatest uh, sprinters in the country, is going to be a sophomore for Houston after the unbelievable freshman season that he had. So uh, very, very exciting time to be a Cougar fan, even looking past uh, the kind of main couple of uh, quote unquote revenue sports. Reminder to everybody out there to get into the conversation. Just subscribe to the Scott Holman podcast or Follow them on Twitter, and you should follow them on Twitter. Not do one or the other. You do both. It's at sh podcast pod with p a w d, as in uh, the Cougar Paw. Great to have you on the show, as always, Dustin. Thanks so much for doing this. I enjoy it, Robert. Uh, thanks for having me on. Always appreciate the chance to uh, talk Cougar sports with you. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.